The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It is the Palpably Unfair Podcast brought to you by SB Nation and the SB Nation NFL Show. I'm your host, Michael Kist, and here on the Palpably Unfair Podcast, we're going to be your weekly Wednesday spot for film review breakdowns, individual performance analysis, top quarterback games of the week, and so much more. Before we go any further, let me introduce my co-host. He's rambunctious. He's opinionated. He's antagonistic, which is why we get along so well. He is Kyle Posey. Kyle, how you doing, brother? Hey, man, I'm doing well, doing well. Looking forward to getting into this, being able to talk about football, man. It feels like forever since we've actually had a chance to talk about football things that go on. So it'll be fun. It'll be a good time. Yeah, the number one thing I'm excited about is just getting new football to watch and, and break down, man. I, I'm, I'm I'm starving for it. It's been so long. And before we get into the meat and potatoes of the show, I feel like we got to let the listeners know who we are. And to do that, we can just give a, a quick background each. I already did a whole spiel on Monday Football Monday here on the SB Nation NFL show feed, so make sure you check that out if you haven't yet. And just to give you the quick rundown, I'm a producer for the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed, the two times SB Nation team brand podcast champions. I host some shows on there as well. I write for the site. I'm a Scouting Academy alum with an alleged background in college and pro scouting. I'm known for having the most wholesome non-confrontational Twitter account in the universe at Michael Kist NFL. And with that out of the way, Kyle, tell the gentle listener your story. I too have never been in an argument online, <laughs> will never provoke anybody. And that is just not my brand at all. So I write for Niners Nation. I'm producer, editor-in-chief, you name it. I pretty much do it 49ers related. I have a background in college football. I mean, I play, but I feel like everybody plays. So when people say that, it's like, okay. And uh, I've been coaching football for about seven years in high school. So, I mean, I, I try to go beyond the surface level when we're talking about football. And I think that's what we're going to try to do here on this site. Yeah, they went with the expert and also me for the show, which was a good call by them. So we're going to be leaning on Kyle a, a lot here. And now that we've properly introduced ourselves, I, I'll tell you up top for the show, it's going to be a little bit different than what you'll hear from us during the other shows that we do during the season. Basically, the Pupcast, we'll call it for short, is going to be film reviews of games, units, individuals, particularly quarterbacks. Uh, we'll review what went down the previous Sunday in depth. On this show today, since there's nothing to review, we're going to hit up a preview of the Thursday night football season opener for the NFL season, and we're going to try to set up other matchups that we're looking forward to on Sunday that we may end up reviewing next week. So this is your primer 
essentially. And let's get going with it. 2020 NFL season opener, Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Houston Texans in a rematch of the 2019 divisional playoffs where the Chiefs put on an incredible comeback to win 51-31 to on their way to a chip. The Chiefs are near double-digit favorites in this one, and the over-under is predicting the highest-scoring game of the entire Week 1 slate. And there's good reason for that, right? There's two teams with non-dominating defenses. The Chiefs ranked about league average last year in defensive DVOA. The Texans were one of the worst defenses left in the playoffs in 2019. You wouldn't have known that from the Bills farting out only 19 points against them in a playoff overtime game, but that's what we expected from Josh Allen, at least I did. Regardless, the Texans, you have Deshaun Watson at quarterback, easily a top 10 quarterback in the league, easy top five potential. The Texans just rewarded him with a four-year extension, pays him 39 mil a year in the new money average. They threw in $27 million of the signing bonus, a big contract, big-time player, no issues for me with shelling out that kind of cash for him. Kyle, just talking about the entire contract here, are you with me on this, that this is 100% the right move, the right contract for the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson? Oh, absolutely. I don't. I can't imagine why you would not extend Watson, who has, I feel like, done a lot of this in spite of the person who calls plays for the Texans. <laughs> like if he had a competent play caller or somebody that you know allowed him to, hey, drop back and maybe throw it to somebody else besides Hopkins or let's design something else on offense. And he he does a lot of things, you know, just by himself, it seems like. So, I mean, he's just an uber talented quarterback. And I can't wait to watch this game because I feel like he's I mean, they're Mahomes and Watson. You can't really ask for a better matchup than that to kick off the season. Yeah, it's going to be explosive. And, and I think the main concern that I have for the Texans right now, and this is what may actually spark a debate about Deshaun Watson's money during the year, is that you lose DeAndre Hopkins and you end up with a supporting cast that is going to cause Watson to maybe press a little bit, play a little hero ball. He's known to do that. And this is where I think Watson will get into some trouble because as talented as he is, and he does have some rough stretches that that keep him out of the elite of the elite right now, in my opinion. Now, granted, he can also create on his own, like you mentioned, with what's around him. Can they accentuate that ability? Can they enhance that ability? Without Hopkins, things could get ugly for him, especially early in the season as they figure out what life is like without depending on Nuke, like you mentioned as well. Like Will Fuller, yes, the offense looks different with him out there when he's healthy. Watson has a great connection with him deep. I expect the same for Brandon Cooks. But with the big play potential, there comes the question, again, of consistency. To win a boat race against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, you're going to need to be able to move the chains. I don't see this Texans offense as being anything close to a well-oiled machine, and they don't have the defense to hold serve while things get figured out and deep shots get dialed up and to get them through two or three drives of stalling out. It only takes a brief moment to kick off a rally, and the Chiefs showed this again and again in the playoffs against the Texans as well, which we all remember, up 24-0. The Texans didn't score again for another 25 minutes, and while 31 points total should be fine, in that span of 25 minutes, you give up 41 points on the other side. So this is too much feast or famine for me for the Texans. The only thing that keeps this game close is, is if the Chiefs just don't show up for an entire half. And could that happen? Sure, football is chaos. We'll learn that a thousand times during the season before this is over. But if I'm using the Occam's razor approach, right, what's the most sensible thing to happen? Nothing but a blowout makes sense. I got it 41-24 Chiefs. What about you, Kyle? Yeah, I can, and I can see this game getting out of hand because I don't think that the Texans will be able to consistently sustain offense. I can see them being more of a bombs away type offense where it's just, uh, just heaving it up to 
Stills, heaving up to Will Fuller, as you said, and maybe some big plays to Brandon Cook. So the explosive plays are going to be there, and the Chiefs will give you an opportunity to make plays on defense. But I do think at the same time, you know, Chris Jones can be a nuisance, Tyron Matthew, you know, those they have playmakers on that side of the ball enough to at least slow you down a little bit. And the other side of the ball, like, what are you going to do against the Chiefs? You, you basically just hope Mahomes misses is okay. I, the best way to stop them, or unless you can somehow, you know, dial up pressure, consistent pressure. But I, they, they won the Super Bowl. Like, what else? What else do we really need to talk about? They won the Super Bowl for a reason. I do think it's going to be a blowout. I would guess. I I don't know if it's going. That's a high forty-one twenty. By the way, like those are a lot of points, man. Yeah. But the the total is high for a reason because there will be points. I would probably lean closer to like a a thirty-four to like twenty-one type of deal. So I I think there will be plenty of points still. But I I mean first. First game of the season, there's usually, you know, some hiccups on both sides of the ball. So I'd, I'd lean just a, a slightly under than that. But still, I, it's going to be points all over the place. I got an unplanned question for you because I had a debate with Pete Sweeney, our friend over at Arrowhead Pride, about the number one seed in the AFC. And my pick this year was the Baltimore Ravens. I think it's Ooh. close. It may have to come on a tiebreaker. It may be 13-3 and three versus 12-4. and four. Are you expecting this Chiefs team to just blow through any type of Super Bowl hangover and continue their dominance, or do you think they might slip a little bit? I, I think they do take a slight step back, and I do I do think the Ravens, I have the Ravens as a top seed as well. Okay. I just think they're a better team overall just because they can get it done on both sides of the ball. Yes, the Chiefs are probably going to be somewhat improved on defense, but I think there are still too many holes on that side of the ball. And it, when you just the way that they're built, when you rely on your offense as much as you do to bail you out and, and people forget, like they weren't, you know, these world beaters during the regular season last year. They had some struggles and I can see some of those struggles coming up again this season. Is there anything else from this game that you want to highlight from a matchup perspective? I know Tyreek Hill against like Gary and Conley, they're going to move Hill around, by the way. But like that to me, Conley has shown that he was better in Houston than he was in Oakland. So th- there's that to keep in mind. Uh, and you look at the other side of the ball for the Texans, them adding David Johnson, one of the weirder trades of the offseason. Like the Texans are just a weird team and they're a weird team to call. They're a weird team to predict because they're in a weird division. Anything else stand out uh, for you about this game? Calling that trade weird instead of bad is very, <laughs> you being very kind. There's no reason that you should ever trade you know, for an injured running back, first of all. Then right. Second of all, you don't trade your best player, or arguably your best player in the, like obviously Hopkins. For like a second round pick, just just bad business for the Texans. I really don't think so. I mean, I'm kind of interested to see how uh, Titus Howard, their right tackle, I believe, is what he's going to play, yeah. and that, you know how they hold up if they're able to protect Deshaun Watson. Because I imagine, he, as you mentioned, he is going to create, but he's also going to run into some sacks. He did a really good job last year of just cutting down on those sacks. But will he be able to sustain that? Those are good points. Okay, so when we come back here on the Palpably Unfair podcast, we are going to get into some other matchups that we like. We're going to talk about a game that we like. We're going to talk about a unit versus unit type matchup that we like and some individual matchups that we'll break down here on the Palpably Unfair podcast. That's coming up next right here on the SB Nation NFL show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge... That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. 
And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to the Palpably Unfair podcast powered by the SB Nation NFL show. Michael Kist here with Kyle Posey for episode one of this weekly Wednesday series. So Kyle, we covered the Thursday night football game. Let's get involved with some game unit and individual matchups that have piqued our interest in this week one lineup. Uh, First up, there are a few games that I'm really interested in this weekend, but I think the one that I'm going to highlight here is the dirty Dallas Cowboys against the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, there there are a ton of storylines here, like how the Cowboys come out of the gate with Mike McCarthy. What does that look like? Is media darling Sean McVay primed for a renaissance? Will either defense be able to stop a nosebleed? So on and so forth. And and look, I expect a lot of points out of this one. I think this is the second highest uh, total that that Vegas is predicting. And I think the the winner of this really sets the tone for their season. And I don't want to overreact to one game, but this is a doozy of a showdown to start off the season. The major thing that I'll be watching in this one, though, is the quarterbacks. And that's where it begins and ends for both teams and a lot of teams. Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott is currently Squidward watching Deshaun Watson from the window as he remains on the franchise tag for the 2020 season. But on the plus side, he's also working with the most talented cast of playmakers in his career. They are loaded. Everybody knows this. Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb give you one of the best, if not the best, trio of wide receivers in the league. Tight end Blake Jarwin, solid pass catching option in my opinion. Zeke is Zeke. And then other running back, Tony Pollard, he should make some contributions in the passing game. He took some time at wide receiver at Memphis. This is all set up for a monster season from Dak, who has another advantage working for him from the coaching staff with Dallas retaining offensive coordinator Kellen Moore, who I think is one of the best young offensive minds in the game. If they stumble out of the gate, the media firestorm is going to come fast and furious because I think just about everybody and especially everybody in Dallas is expecting this unit, this offense to be top five in scoring and pretty comfortably. And they most certainly have that potential on the flip side is Sean McVay white knuckle riding the Jared Goff express, which can be both a rewarding and harrowing experience from day to day. Goff took a significant step back in 2019 after playing pretty well from 2017 to 2018, including a trip to the Super Bowl. And look, I don't think the McVay offense has been the same since the Lions, Bears, Eagles, Patriots, and others kind of collectively cracked his code during that Super Bowl run. As weird as that is to say, but, you know, three points in that game, so you tell me. This is his chance to prove why he's so respected around the league and in the media. So I want to see how this offense can evolve after becoming a little stagnant in 2019. And frankly... I want to see if Goff can return to any kind of like plus form after becoming, you know, like a big reason for why this team is being held back. Not only due to his regression in production and performance, 
but his contract as well that's clogging up their cap space. There's a lot of things to flesh out with this one, which is why I find it so intriguing. Uh, Kyle, any thoughts on that, or you want to get straight to your uh, game of preference? No, I think that this is this is probably a more interesting game than, well, obviously it's going to be more interesting than the Thursday night game, but I think that this one's going to go over the Thursday night game as well. I think there's going to be points everywhere. Just getting getting back to your point about McVay and Goff, I don't know why we have to wait seven years to say that a quarterback is not good. <laughs> In my opinion, McVay's doing everything he can to protect Goff. And Goff just, whenever you ha- he has to drop back and comes off his first read, he's just not a good player. Yeah. Why can't we just say that? Because it seems like he just struggles under pressure. He's not you know, too quick to process what the defense is doing. And when you can't do that, you just can't play in the NFL. And I'm not saying that because he's he's one of obviously one of the better starters in the he should be a top 32 quarterback. But that's not really is that really saying anything? Yeah, he has Sean McVay calling plays. And I I do think, you know, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, they're they're competent receivers. So it's not like he isn't surrounded by talent and a good play caller. It's just on golf. I really think golf isn't making plays and he's going to be under the, the spotlight the first game. I think that the media is going to turn on the Rams real quick if they get off to a slow start this year. Yeah, they were one of my teams where I'm like, I think they're going to disappoint, you know, coming into last year. And they absolutely did. And one of the main reasons was Goff. And, and, and tell me if like the, the way that we, that we view Goff, you mentioned, you know, his first read after his first read. I don't know if it's necessarily his second and third read that, that, that give him a lot of trouble. Although like top defenses can really bog him down and slow down his progressions. I think when he has to move, even a millimeter off of his spot, off of his drop, like the process just slow. He's hyper aware of the pressure around him. You never see this guy. And this is one of the things that frustrated about me about him so much. Even in the Super Bowl running the playoffs, you never saw him with the toughness to step into a throw with contact coming. He's so hyper aware of that pressure. So if you have to move him even a millimeter, he is way off of his game. Is that kind of how you view him too when you watch him? Absolutely. And it doesn't help that he's, you know, behind an offensive line that's just not very good. Andrew Worth, very good player. But I feel like outside of that, they have a lot of questions on the line and they didn't do much to improve that this season. I just think that he's so concerned with the pressure that his eyes tend to drop and it really affects him. So what about your game of the week? What are what are you really looking forward to the matchup you like? So I'm looking at the Bucks and the Saints. And I yeah. think that that game has so many, so many good details. But it, it starts with New Orleans offense and Tampa Bay's defense, who quietly is very good. Yeah. And I think they will be very good. Yes, they played a bunch of high school quarterbacks to end the season. But I think they their continuity is going to make them a very good unit this year. They finished six in DVOA on defense last year. I, look, I was looking up some stats, and just from week 12 on, the Bucks allowed like the third lowest completion percentage in the NFL. They had the second most takeaways. They had against against the pass, they were negative 36 percent against in pass against DVOA, which is nuts to say out loud. They have a really good young secondary that's going to grow, and they also added Antoine Winfield, who is a over over aggressive safety. I think mm-hmm. that he's going to be very good. I want to see how he is against Drew Brees. It's going to be, and this is more my one-on-one matchup as well, just the youth in the secondary for Tampa Bay against the experienced veteran receivers against the Saints. That'll be that'll be fun for me to watch. Yeah, I agree with you. And that's a game that I had highlighted in our game of the week on Monday, Football Monday. So I did a whole spiel on that and go back to listen to that as well. And I agree with you. That's one that... Like if I didn't have to have to cover the Eagles and do an instant reaction, like that's the game that I really want to tune into, you know, let's go, let's move from games. We'll go to like units. So like offense versus defense, or maybe secondary versus wide receivers, like the, the, the whole unit. So for my unit versus unit 
matchup to keep an eye on. I'm going to go with something that is near and dear to your heart, Kyle. And that's the showdown between the San Francisco 49ers defense and the plucky Arizona Cardinals offense led by second-year quarterback Kyler Murray. The Cardinals are kind of like the media darling right now as well as like the dark horse that may surprise people. It's a trendy pick. And like you can understand why. And if I can get nerdy for a second, I'll explain that. Football outsiders track the biggest offensive DVOA improvements from year to year. And this data runs from 1986 to 2019. There are only two teams that saw bigger leaps in offensive DVOA improvements than the 2019 Cardinals. Number one is the 2011 Carolina Panthers, which was Cam Newton's rookie year. You say, I wonder what happened there. <laughs> Number two is the 2017 Los Angeles Rams when Sean McVay turned Jared Goff into a real boy after an abysmal year as a rookie with Jeff Fisher. And again, number three since 1986, the Cardinals Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, and there's reason to believe that Murray might cook a little bit against the dominant unit for the 49ers because it was Murray that snapped an eight-week streak of 20 points or less allowed from the 49ers defense in that week nine matchup, which ended 28-25 for the 49ers, so close game, right? And, and Murray went 17 for 24, 241 yards, two touchdowns, zero picks for a 130.7 passer rating, and he was helped out by a 100-yard ground day from running back Kenyon Drake, too, so they were able to get the ground game going against them as well. Now you add DeAndre Hopkins to the mix because the Texans are idiots, and you add that to the 10 personal packages, which is a package that the 49ers weren't great against, granted, tiny sample size, and I think you have a really intriguing matchup because of the storylines involved, too, and like, are the Cardinals ready to be a top-tier offense yet? Is the 49ers defense going to take a step back and get hit by a little bit of regression. So we won't get those definitive answers just based on this game alone, but this is the first step in getting those answers, Kyle. There's no doubt about it. And Kyler, he should be getting a lot more praise than what he's getting. Yeah. Just from and I under I completely understand why he's a media darling. So when they played last year, they would spread the 49ers out and Kenya Drank would get all this space one-on-one. And if the linebacker comes down and guesses in the wrong hole, Kenyon Drake takes off 10 yards, nine yards. Some, he had one play where he took off for like 30 yards. So that 10 personnel that you mentioned, that space, it puts the NFL defenses in a bind. Even a fast defense like the 49ers on third down in the last week, it was week 11, third down, Arizona was three for 10. But they had one play where Kyler hit a guy crossing the middle 12 yards, hit him right in the hands, dropped it. He had two other plays where the receiver caught the ball, dove, left his feet a yard before the line of or first down marker. Like, how does that even happen for a professional athlete? How is that possible? So they had plenty of opportunities and they just didn't take advantage of them. I think Cliff obviously ha has, since he has all this offseason time, that he will have a chance to draw up some things and, you know, kind of scheme open wide receivers. It helps also going back to those third downs. One of those Third downs was a back shoulder throw to Andy Isabella. No longer will you have to throw back shoulders to Andy Isabella. Now you have a prominent wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. So I think that Arizona is primed to put up some points. Will it be enough to win? I'm not so sure. Will it be enough to win against a lot of other teams? I do think so. And it'll, it'll come down to if they can get enough stops on the other side of the ball. Yeah, I think they can play well enough to at least get noticed as a team that is going to be competitive in these tough games against a top tier team, a proven team like the San Francisco 49ers. So that's that's a that's a unit versus unit matchup that I really like. What about your unit matchups? What, what are you looking at for this week, Kyle? So I'm looking at the Browns offensive line and how they handle Baltimore's just crazy pass rush because essentially and this is exaggerating, but it feels like Baltimore blitzes every freaking play. They don't. They blitz about, I think, 
54% is what they blit their blitz rate was last year, which is unreal. Like, yeah, well, it's more than a coin flip that they're going to come after you. That was 11% higher than the second place team last year. They 32% of their sacks came from the second level, which was first in the NFL. So they're, they're drawing up these simulated pressures. They're drawing up all kind of DB blitzes. Don't be surprised this year if a coach blitzes from the sideline. It seems like this is what you, nobody knows what's going to happen. And they added Derek Wolf. They're going to get Pernell McPhee back. But I do think Cleveland has some nice individual players as well, like Joel Batonio. He's good. Uh, they also have J.C. Treader, who holds up well against the pass. But how are their, how is their new left tackle, Jedrick Wills, going to be? He is playing in all reports out of training camp, says that he's struggling against the pass pro. Jack Conklin, right tackle, he's not known as a great pass blocker. So how is that unit going to hold up against a Tasmanian Devil Blitz coming at you that's – Man, just you don't know where it's coming from. They do a really good job of descri- uh, disguising that. The the Ravens right now, okay, so like in the past decade, to stay a top five DV, DVOA defense year to year is hard. The Ravens are going for their fourth year in a row as a top five defense. And in two of those years, they were like 23rd and 31st unhealthiest in the league as a unit. It's, it's absolutely absurd what they have done. The only other team to have more consecutive years as a top five DVOA defense is the Seattle Seahawks. It's the Legion of Boom. Everybody else has stopped short at three, and there's only a few of those teams. So what the Ravens defense has done is just unbelievable. I love watching them because, like you said, those second-level sacks that they get, the blitzes that they bring are so creative. They're so hard to stop. And for the Browns, not only with the offensive line, you kind of have to worry about Baker creating chaos when there is none and that really causing them some problems. So we'll see how Baker bounces back this year. We'll go to our individual matchups that we like. And for mine, and look, you mentioned the offensive line. I'm going to go with the offensive line as well. This is such a film nerdy thing, football guy thing to do. Uh, but let's let's put up some stats out there before we reveal exactly who I'm talking about here. So on one side of the docket, you have two pass rushers that combined for 26 sacks and 12 forced fumbles. On the other side, you have a quarterback that had the fifth highest total of fumbles in a single season with 18. He fumbled once in every 45.3 snaps. That quarterback is being protected by a rookie and a seventh-year vet that's on his third team and has never started for more than seven games in a season. And if you haven't figured it out by now, I'm talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers dynamic duo of TJ Watt and Bud Dupree going up against the Daniel Jones-led New York Giants with Andrew Thomas and probably Cam Fleming as his anchors. And what I'm really interested in seeing from this matchup is if the Giants are able to stop those Steelers pass rushers for just entirely wrecking the game, like they don't have to be great against them. They just have to stop it. They just have to stop the bleeding at some point and allow the offense to function at a base level. And here's the thing with Daniel Jones. I actually kind of dig him. Like, I think he has... A top 10, I'm not talking about this season necessarily, but I think he has a top 10 single season potential as a first read quarterback if he's got the supporting cast and the play calling to prop him up. Not unlike Jared Goff. And when I watched Jones as a rookie, I was kind of surprised how much Pat Shermer, who like isn't the most creative, but he's an okay kind of offensive mind, how much Shermer was able to scheme first read open on very basic concepts. Now, it's up to new offensive coordinator Jason Garrett to do the same because if that first read isn't open, Daniel Jones is the type of quarterback that has to turn the volume down in his car to read street signs. And this has been the knock on him 
since college, where he led that class of quarterbacks in zero to one step throws per Sports Info Solutions. He's a one read, hit and throw quarterback. He could be very successful doing that. It's the only thing that will keep his head on his shoulders against the Steelers because he is not going to have time to work through his progressions, especially when he struggles so much getting to those second reads, those third reads already. So there's a lot riding on Jason Garrett here because if he isn't dialing it up, we may have a literal massacre on our hands. And, and dialing back to the OT versus edge matchup, I have zero faith in Cam Fleming to get the job done. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him eventually replaced by the other rookie, Matt Pert. Uh, but it, it would be a huge positive sign for them and for Andrew Thomas if Thomas is able to hold up relatively well in what is a dog of an assignment in his first start. Uh, Kyle, any thoughts and what are you looking forward to? Yeah, so I, I love the Jones analogy, by the way. And <laughs> to say that he is a deer in headlights when he has to come off his first read is just putting it so lightly because he's more of a guy that will just kind of heave it into traffic and just throw it just to get rid of the ball because he's so used to being sacked. I, I do agree that he just doesn't make good decisions when he has to come off that first read. And yeah. that's kind of terrifying knowing that he has a right tower left tackle who has never started a full like I don't think he's ever started as you said more than seven games. Right. He wasn't signed to be a starter. Like that's terrifying to know that that's your left tackle. I do think Andrew Thomas will be good. Yeah. He might not be good game one, and this is not the test that you want to come out of the gates. <laughs> but like, hey, go get him, rookie. Here's T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree. Like, come on, that's not fair for anybody. <laughs> but I do think he is going to be a good player. But I, yeah, that's going to be a fun test to watch. My, here's my question. We're kind of spinning off this, but. It's going to sound like a hot take. Would TJ Watt be dominant if he didn't play on the Steelers? Like if he were to play on, let's say he's playing with the Giants. He didn't have, he wasn't surrounded by Bud Dupree, Cam Hayward. And just, you know, all Javon Hargrave was there. Yeah, they have a very talented defensive line. Would Watt be as dominant on another team? I think I think he would only because like Bud Dupree wasn't always uh, dominant on the other side. Like they didn't always have that kind of other guy. You know, like when you look at Dallas, you think Demarcus Lawrence and like, OK, let's free him up by getting a good guy on the other side. I don't think the Steelers have necessarily had that. The help inside is unbelievable to it. Hayward Hargrave are absolute beasts. I don't know how you get three of those guys on the same team. Obviously, they're, they're broken up now with Hargrave in Philadelphia. So I do think that helps. But I think when you watch. TJ Watt and you see how he gets his production it's not all cleanups and it's not because like he's just totally on an island all the time so I do think that he would be pretty successful really no matter where he goes what about you so I'm not I don't know that answer I really don't <laughs> I can't say with a definitive yes obviously he's talented like he's great he's closer to great than he is good so okay. I'll call him great but I just have a hard time believing that TJ Watt independent of the other talent would be able to put up the year that he had last year because you mentioned the stats at the top. He was everywhere. And he's when he gets there, he's also forcing fumbles. Like yeah. he's a playmaker. So in that sense, probably since he does, you know, have the, all those batted passes and he creates forced fumbles, I just have a hard time separating him from the talent on the team, which is not fair to him, but I'm just a psycho critic like that. <laughs> and it's easy for me to talk about that. But as far as the matchup goes, I mean, we're looking at a bloodbath. More, more than likely, that's what's going to happen. What are you what are you looking for? Speaking of talent, who are some talented individuals that you want to go back running to the film for, you know, Monday and on Tuesday morning? So as a receiver DB guy, it's the first game that you mentioned. We were talking about the Cowboys and we were talking about arguably the best cornerback in the NFL, Jalen Ramsey. So CeeDee Lamb might get his welcome to the moment in a welcome to the NFL moment, whether that's good or bad. Like he has a chance to really make a name for himself right out of the gate going against Jalen Ramsey. But also we get Amari Cooper and those 
Jalen Ramsey and Amari Cooper went at it last year and Ramsey held his own. Ramsey did very well against Amari Cooper. And I, I just want to see how that happens now that both teams had a whole year to kind of, you know, the Cowboys, Mike McCarthy, I want to see how he uses Amari Cooper. What is he going to do for CeeDee Lamb? Is there going to be one guy that's more of a deeper threat? Is there going to be one guy that's going to be underneath? That's what I'm really interested in. And I also want to see if Jalen Ramsey travels with any of these guys. If yeah. maybe Amari gets a hot hand or if CeeDee's just cooking everybody. Are you going to, hey, Ramsey, go guard this rookie. Like, what does that do to Amari? Like, what does that say about Amari? So those are the kind of questions that I'm looking forward to. As a, as a guy that covers the the Eagles, that's an interesting point because they bring in Darius Slay and, and Schwartz says he's open to traveling with Slay with different guys. But how do you do that exactly against the Cowboys? And then how do the Cowboys and Kellen Moore respond to that tactically if there is a guy traveling with Cooper or with Gallup or with CeeDee Lamb? You know, how, how does that affect things? What's the trickle-down effect? So I agree that 100% going to be a tremendous matchup to watch and i think that's going to be our time for today we we thank you for joining us here on the palpably unfair podcast the pupcast episode one uh kyle any last words for the gentle listeners before i close it out no i don't just glad to have football back there's so many good matchups that we didn't even have time to get into so many good players and hopefully you know when we come back next week we'll, we'll try to review some of these matchups and We'll have some good stuff to talk about, that's for sure. Yeah, we got a full season of this coming your way. Big time thanks to SB Nation for giving us this platform. Make sure you're subscribed to the SB Nation NFL show. Leave five stars and a review in Apple Podcasts if you're enjoying the content. This is Michael Kist and Kyle Posey signing out. Go dominate and have yourselves a day.